This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. California's largest public utility, PG&E, has been involved in a string of deadly accidents over the past decades, including the Camp Fire, which killed more than 80 people last year. determined that PG&E equipment started the fire at two separate locations. Those small fires then became one massive fire that swept across Paradise and surrounding communities, destroying nearly 14,000 homes. The company is now in bankruptcy court because of the billions of dollars it owes the victims of recent wildfires. And it's also under federal probation from a gas explosion in 2010 that killed eight people. For years, California regulators have used hefty fines to try to rein in bad behavior at the company. But paying those fines and withstanding the public humiliation that comes with them hasn't seemed to chasten the company. Today on the show, what happens when a powerful organization that provides an essential service to millions of Americans can't be trusted? Welcome to The Journal, our daily show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Limaugh. And I'm Ryan Knutson. It's Monday, September 16th. Trust is so important with a public utility. They own equipment that goes over our heads and under our feet. It can blow us up, it can electrocute us. We pay billions and billions of dollars to public utilities each year in order to provide us safe, reliable service. And we ought to get it. Rebecca Smith is a reporter for The Wall Street Journal. And she recently wrote a story detailing the history and patterns of PG&E's misconduct. I probably wrote my first stories about PG&E more than 25 years ago. And so I've been aware of the company for a long time as a reporter. This story was partly informed by my own experience with it. And in this story, you identified repeated instances over 25 years in which the company misled regulatory authorities, withheld information, obstructed investigations. Is this different from other utilities? I think all utilities have problems from time to time with regulators. It's not like there's one bad one and the others are all good. There are no devils and angels in this story. But what is striking to me, though, is the repeated difficulties that PG&E has had with what others consider basic standards of honesty. For a company to lack a basic standard of honesty might sound like a high-minded concept. But for a public utility to have a habit of misleading regulators, that can have deadly consequences. In Rebecca's article, she detailed 30 instances since the mid-90s where PG&E has paid fines, penalties, settlements, and other remedies totaling more than $2.6 billion. One instance she explored is the company's program called Locate and Mark. That's like the orange spray paint that you can sometimes see on the street? Absolutely, yeah. 
Can you tell us what the Locate and Mark program is and how it works, both specifically at PG&E and then sort of broadly for utilities? Sure. So the nation has a system called the 811 system. You know, like if you need help, you call 911. Well, if you're getting ready to dig, you call 811. So the idea is you call this number to make sure when you're digging, you don't accidentally hit a gas pipeline, an electric cable, some infrastructure that's not visible because it's under the dirt. And that's important because if you hit those cables or lines, it would cause an accident. Yes, you would likely blow up or get electrocuted. What happened in the case of PG&E is they get up to 1 million phone calls a year from contractors, typically, who are going to do some ground excavation. And the utility then has two working days to go out to that site and determine whether or not it has a gas pipeline or electrical cable that it needs to mark. So it's generally been a great system. When people call, there's a very low incidence, less than 1% accident rate. But what happened is PG&E inspectors became overworked. And to avoid getting in trouble for being late, the workers started falsifying information to give themselves more time. It's pretty clear that people are cutting corners. They're, they're pretending that they have, let's say, pushed the date out for an excavation when they haven't. They're doing things to fudge the statistics. The point is that if the sites get marked, it reduces accidents. If they don't get marked within that two working days, the likelihood that there will be accidents goes up. And were there accidents? There were. From 2012 to early 2017, PG&E reported 67 accidents, which might be blamed on late tickets. The accidents involved contractors hitting buried gas infrastructure. Regulators started to look into this Locate and Mark program, and PG&E put a new guy in charge to clean it up. And he starts off with a declaration. There are going to be zero late tickets, no excuses. From that point forward, we see a precipitous drop in the company's numbers for late tickets from around 13,000 late tickets to 44 tickets in 2016. So it's not that under new leadership, the program actually got a lot more efficient at answering these tickets because some fudging continued to occur. Does anybody at the company speak out about this pattern of falsification? Their internal audits pointed out problems, but there also were employees who went up the chain of command and said, we think stuff's happening that shouldn't be allowed, and we think that employees feel coerced into entering data that's not correct because they fear for their jobs. And one person was fired, and two people had their jobs eliminated, and they wound up in other parts of the company. One view would be that they were punished for coming forward. Sort of suggests that if you speak out about this, good things don't happen to you. Correct. And then what happened to the program directors who were overseeing this zero late ticket policy? The main fellow who was in charge of the program, he got a big promotion. And so the people in charge of the program got promoted, and the people who spoke out about problems with the program either got fired or kicked aside. What does that tell you about PG&E's culture? I mean, in and of itself, it may mean nothing. But if you look at that in association with other cases, it tells you that speaking out is not good for your career. Locate and Mark is one example of the misleading behavior that Rebecca has seen in her reporting on the company. 
something comes out that shows that the company hasn't been doing what it's supposed to do. And then the company will say, uh, we didn't know. And then a few people leave. Sometimes it's not clear whether they voluntarily resigned or whether they were pushed out. But at any rate, some people leave. And then the company says, we have this new program and it's going to fix everything. The thing that worries me is that over time, you see that often things don't get fixed. PG&E said that upper management didn't understand the depth of the problem with Locate and Mark, and that workers' fudging of on-time results had the effect of hiding the program's problems. A lawyer for the program director said his client, quote, never pressured PG&E employees to falsify documents. Rebecca's reporting shows that PG&E's problems stand apart. And a former California Public Utilities Commissioner said the company violates rules of conduct so often it amounts to a pattern. Another example of PG&E not following through on promised improvements happened with its tree trimming program in the 90s. Tree trimming is a big issue for any utility that has a lot of forested areas. It's a tremendous job, and it's possible that there's really no utility in the West that's on top of its game right now. And I think as we see climate change happening, I think we're going to find more utilities than PG&E being stressed by the difficulty and the cost of dealing with dead and dying trees. So I don't at all want to minimize the difficulty that the utility faces. But at any rate, what we've seen historically is that the way that works for PG&E is roughly every three years, they come to the Utilities Commission and they say, we want to set new rates. And so here's the amount of money we think we need. And so could you please give us this amount of money? And there's some portion of it that would go to trim trees, you know, to keep trees away from the power lines. And what had been happening in the 1990s was the company had been getting a lot of money for tree trimming, and it had not been spending at all for that purpose. It had been siphoning money out of that program and spending it on other things. Now, technically, the utility can do that. It's not illegal. But it's not good if you wind up with a lot of fires as a result because the trees are too close. And that that diverting of the money from tree trimming resulted in a fine for PG&E. Is that correct? Yeah, a big lawsuit and a fine in 1997. Well, it wasn't a very big fine, but it was a notable prosecution because it actually accused of criminality in not having trimmed trees. And this was in Nevada County, California. Another example is when PG&E misled federal authorities investigating the San Bruno gas explosion. The company was accused and then convicted of obstructing an investigation. When the investigation was done, both federal investigators and state investigators felt that the company had not been at all times forthright where there's significant loss of human life, they want everybody on board trying to bring out everything that could have been instrumental in causing that accident. So there's a very high standard of honesty that's expected, and for good reason. And I think the most minimal thing we should be able to expect from a utility is that it's trying hard to do its job and it's going to be honest with us. PG&E said its violations in the San Bruno case were not intentional. And yet another example of the company's misconduct was related to water contamination. So, I mean, this was made famous in the Aaron Brockovich movie. Basically, PG&E was found to have been using a chemical called hexavalent chromium around its gas compressor stations. 
and millions of gallons of water that was contaminated with hexavalent chromium wound up getting dumped near Hinkley, California and Kettleman City, California. And over time, I mean, I think it stopped using that chemical in the 1960s, but that chemical nevertheless went into the groundwater and contaminated drinking water sources. The company settled for more than $600 million in 1996 and 2006. PG&E's repeated problems added up to more than $2.6 billion in penalties and settlements. And do you have a sense of who is to blame? The problem is that there's something in a culture that's taken hold, and that is what needs to be changed. If you say, well, this person is to blame and you get rid of that person, you might think then the problem is solved. But what we've seen with PG&E is these problems persist. What was PG&E doing to fix these problems? It seems like it's a whack-a-mole kind of situation. Did the company acknowledge them and take corrective action? Well, in some cases, I think they've tried. In other cases, I don't think they have. I don't really know what happens internally. But with former regulators, there's often a feeling that even when the company says it did something wrong, that it's still trying to make excuses. One thing I do think it's worth pointing out, and that's that PG&E has a new CEO now, and it has a new board of directors, largely new board of directors, in that 10 of 13 members are new. And I think they are making a sincere effort to turn things around at the company. I think if anyone can do it, it may be this current management. But, you know, time will tell. PG&E CEO Bill Johnson told Rebecca he is committed to transparency and telling the truth. When asked about the company's record of providing misleading information to the public and regulators, Mr. Johnson said, quote, we're not going to be slippery and we will make decisions based on what's best to serve our customers. But what are the tools to deal with a monopoly company with a dangerous track record? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Welcome back. When companies like PG&E run afoul of the rules, governments have a tool for that, regulation. The challenge is, regulation is fundamentally based on honesty. But PG&E hasn't always been honest with regulators. In all appearances and pleadings and filings before the California Public Utilities Commission, the most basic rule is that anyone is required to be honest and to never mislead. That's, that's a requirement. You cannot mislead the regulator. So one of the things that happened was around 2008, 
it became clear that PG&E was engaging in improper communications with the state regulator. What does that mean, improper communications? There are certain proper channels of communication that are set up at the at a regulatory commission like that. And the idea is that the commission wants to have a transparent process that inspires public trust. So you need to feel that when decisions are reached, they're reached through fair means. There's not some cajoling that's happening on the side or side discussions that aren't part of the public record. Mm -hmm. The idea is that you make decisions based upon a public record. So at any rate, there were some form of communications that weren't supposed to have happened. So the company said, okay, we're going to create this big compliance program, which they did. Well, then it became clear a few years later that from 2010 to 2014, the company was back involved in the same stuff again. And there was another case that was open, an investigation, and it turned out that there were lots of improper emails and other sidebar communications and meetings that should not have happened, that violated the commission rules. Has there been a fundamental failure of the regulatory system here? This is a very challenging thing. I mean, we have, just to take a step back, we have a system of regulation that was really set up to control rates. That's its primary function, is making sure that a monopoly company doesn't gouge consumers. So a big part of the commission is focused on money. A relatively small proportion is focused on safety. Safety is every bit as important, but it's always been kind of second tier. Safety regulation is based on these companies being truthful. Yes. And if they aren't, it crumbles. If the company isn't engaging with the regulator in a trustworthy manner, then the whole framework of the regulation falls apart. Well, yes. So the challenge in California has been, you know, normally if a company violates a rule, you attach a penalty and that's enough for most. That kind of a slap on the wrist is enough for most companies to not want to get slapped again. In the reporting of the story, did you speak with regulators? I spoke with former regulators, Here's the thing. Right now, it's very difficult to get current regulators to talk about PG&E because they have cases before them. So they don't want it to appear that they're prejudiced in some way. So they don't they won't talk about anything where there's an active case and because there's been this open proceeding about PG&E's safety culture, they don't want to talk about that. In a statement, a lawyer with the State Utility Commission's Public Advocates Office said the agency has tried to rein in PG&E using the traditional tools of regulation. But, quote, those tools haven't worked. The thing that struck me about it is that when you can trace this culture, it started with this person at this time, and there's a kind of origin story and a person who you can pin it all on, right? And yes. when it's in a kind of swamp, you know, yes. amorphous sort of zone where you kind of see it over here. What happens over here at Location of Mark probably has nothing to do with the obstruction at San Bruno. It's a little harder to wrap your your head around. I think it shows the importance of corporate culture. One of the underlying premises of this story is that honesty matters. Truth matters. And I mean the difficult kind of honesty. That's where someone's able to come forward and say, I made a mistake. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. I know this isn't right. That level of honesty, where each person owns it. I mean, the corporate culture really does matter. 
And there's, in this case, if it's, if it's a utility company, there's a real-world consequence. For PG&E, one of the real-world consequences has been dangerous equipment that can spark wildfires. And that's what happened last year when a power line began the devastating campfire in Paradise, California. That fire killed 86 people and destroyed an entire community. In the face of $30 billion of potential liabilities from it and other fires, PG&E filed for bankruptcy. Just last week, it filed a reorganization plan. And on Friday, it also announced an $11 billion settlement with insurance companies for payouts related to wildfires, including the Camp Fire. That's all for today, Monday, September 16th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.